I don't know if you've seen in the news recently, um, a colleague of mine told me about um, Ant McPartland. You know Ant and Deck? Anyone know Ant and Deck? Yeah, he's a TV presenter, and uh, he presents a game called The Limitless Win, I believe. I might be wrong, I've never watched it, but my colleague told me that recently he got into trouble because he, um, someone won a million pounds, and he was so excited and so committed to the game that he jumped up onto the table, which is an important table apparently, and nearly broke the table, so he's got into a lot of trouble uh, jumping up. Um, and I thought I could do one better than Ant McPartland. So uh, when I was about... I'm going to say 14, but I might have been older, I might have been younger. Um, I was in a youth band. I played drums. Very fancy. It's where I first met Becky. How fun is that? She couldn't remember anything of it, but uh, I could. Last an impression. Um, I was in a youth band and we toured around... Uh, sort of South Wales, really, and a bit of England. And we were in a show in Gloucester, say a show, it was a gathering. So Elam, um, the denomination we were a part of, were doing a movement, their youth movement, were doing a thing of a hundred gatherings, a hundred churches, a hundred gatherings of people gathering together, youth people gathering together and worshipping God. And I was on one of the bands, we did four or five of them. Um, and I was in Gloucester and we played on the Saturday night and we were playing on the Sunday morning. Um, so we were staying in the church. Now, there was a group of about, I don't know, five guys of us at the time uh, in a church, in a youth room with nothing to do. Um, and so we were like, well, we got a football. That sounds good to us. We'll just, we'll just play a game. So one of our games we decided to play was, um, it was like a, a headers and volleys, keep it up off the floor kind of game. You know, you usually play with balloons, but, you know, we're lads and we've got a football, so we're going to do it. And there was this moment, I remember it to this day, uh, it's just like right in front of me. It's like slow motion as the ball landed on the table tennis table. It was like, and I, I realised this was my time. Like, this was the moment. See, I was so in this game. I was so committed to this game. I was like, if ever I've had a time to show everyone that I own this game, it's now. As that ball lands on the table tennis table, it's still in play. That's not the floor. And everyone's looking around thinking, how on earth do we get this off? I decided in that moment, I'm going to do a diving header. Now, if you don't know what a diving header is, it is exactly what it sounds like. I am going to dive onto this table tennis table and I'm going to header this ball off of this table tennis table to which hopefully someone will receive it and be like, wow, Ben, you are a hero. Your commitment to this game has meant this game can carry on. Unbeknown to me, this wasn't a table tennis table, but two tables stuck together. Had sort of a, a spring. And as I jumped on... The table was like, I'm definitely not taking your weight, mate. And I fell straight down onto the floor. I broke the table, tennis table. It was an absolute disaster. And I looked really, really silly. Instead of being the hero, everyone ran over and was like, what an idiot. <laughs> and I was. I was so committed to something. And unfortunately, I wasn't committed to the right thing. What a segue, Ben. Today, we're talking about the commitment of a disciple, the commitment of being a disciple. I wonder if you've ever committed to something and you felt silly afterwards. You felt hurt. Maybe you felt wounded and bruised. Maybe you committed to a relationship and it didn't work out. A marriage that just burned away. You've committed to something 
and it didn't come, it didn't, it didn't end the way you thought it would be. A job that let you go. A project you put all your time and energy into and it just failed. Commitment's really hard. Like being actually committed to something, being all in for something is really hard because when it doesn't work out, we feel burned and scared and hurt and lying on the floor looking silly to everyone around. Sammy Davis says this, he has this little quote, it's lovely. It says, you always have two choices, commitment versus your fear. It's like it's up to you. You have your commitment or your fear. Which one are you going to choose? Tim Keller, Tim Keller is a fantastic theologian. I think he passed away last year, was it? Um, but he was a fantastic theologian. If you're looking to read any books, he's a pastor, but also a, a theologian, and it's just great. So if you want to strengthen your, your, your theology, your, your, your beliefs, read some of his books. And he said this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be loved to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. What if I put myself out there and it's not reciprocated? What if, I, what if I go for it and I look odd and I look silly? And Jean-Paul Sartre, I think, that's how you, yeah. He says this, and this is, this, is, this is it. Commitment is an act, not a word. It's an act, not a word. And I think maybe that's why we're scared of commitment. I mean, I'm scared of commitment. I think we're all probably a little bit scared of commitment. Maybe we're scared of commitment because we know it actually involves active change within our life. Commitment is, it means that we have to do something. And maybe you don't feel like you have the time to fully commit to Jesus. As we're talking about the disciple way, the way being Jesus, we are following Jesus. And we're talking about committing to Jesus today. Maybe you feel like you don't have the time because you know it involves change. Some things can't stay as they were. Some things have got to go. Some things have got to change. You have to change some things around. And, and that, 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 you don't have that motivation to, to get up and what if it all goes wrong? Or maybe building his church, and we talk about the team day and serving. Or it could be building uh, his kingdom at work, becoming a member of the church and signing the covenant. Or because you don't want to change your lifestyle. I have to get up a bit earlier if I want to come to that prayer meeting before church, and I don't think I can do that. Or, or uh, I won't be able to watch that episode of EastEnders. I don't know if anyone watches EastEnders. Are we a Coronation Church here? Coronation Street Church? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. When Jesus called his apprentices, his disciples, he's looking for lifelong commitment. In Matthew 8.22, don't worry, Pastor Nigel, I'm not, gonna, <laughs> I'm not preaching on this. Pastor Nigel's going to be preaching on this next week a lot more. But it says this, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, Pastor Nigel's going to go on a journey about what's the cost of discipleship. Um, but we need to understand that when Jesus was calling the disciples, he was calling for lifelong commitment. And what he's saying there, you know, let the bed bury their own bed. Let the dead bury their own dead and follow me. Leave this world behind and just follow me. Give me everything that you have. There's a cost, a change in life that's necessary. And I'm all in the commitment, okay? I am all in. 
This is a whole life commitment, not just a Sunday commitment. Not just that I'm a Christian when I'm surrounded by Christian commitment. Who they spoke to, how they served, what they did, the disciples, what they listened to and watched was based off of a commitment that they had made. There's no lukewarm there's no Sunday Christian. I mean, the Sunday disciple, I'd love that if, if it was in the Bible, the Sunday disciple who turns up and it's like, yeah, on, on a Friday, I follow Jesus everywhere. And on, on Saturday, we have our Sabbath together. And on a Sunday, it's great. But back on a Monday, I'm back in work. I think that would be fantastic if we read that. But it, it doesn't, it's not in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible is that a thing because it's whole life every single day. They like that accent there, didn't they? Yeah. Full of tricks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not in the church. The early church gave everything they have. I, people say it all the time. Oh, you know, we want the Acts church back. And it's like, well, sell your house then. <laughs> everything they had, all their possessions given to the church. All lived communally. I mean, some of you wake up and think, I have to see that person today, can't, I, I can't, I can't bear the thought of coming to church because I'm gonna have to, I know I'm going to get caught in the conversation there. They lived together. They ate together, everything they did together, all of their lives committed to God. Followers of the way. Not lukewarm. In Revelation, it talks about being lukewarm, actually. Revelation 3.15, it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. So Revelation, I should say, the, the, sort of a, the book about the end times. And there's a letter to the church. Um, and this is a letter to one of the churches. Um, it's sort of a warning letter. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Saying to the church, stop going through the motions. You're saying you're a Christian and you're living in the world, but you're doing the world stuff. You're not living like Christians. You're not doing as Christians would do. You say the right words, you sing the right songs and you sing in tune. You aren't fully committed to the cause. And you're going to get spat out. What does Jesus say about it? I mean, Jesus is all loving. And because he's all loving, he gives warning to the church as well. He says this in Luke 13, verse 22. It's called the narrow door. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to, to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. 
there will be weeping there and gnashing of the teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east, the west, the north and the south and take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last and they will be first and the first will be last. It's rather a bleak picture. (laughs) But there's a time coming where it's too late to make the commitment. A time coming where people are are banging on the door. So, you know, I used to come along to church sometimes and, and, well, my my grandparents classified themselves as Christians, so I've always classified myself as Christians. I know you, Jesus. I've learned about you. I know your name. But the door's closed. And the voice from inside the house saying, I don't know you, though. We speak about commitment often. We speak about marriage. I love a wedding. I love a wedding. I love dressing up. I love the food at the wedding. You ever go to a wedding and have nice food and you go to another wedding and it's like not as nice and you're like, it's not as nice as the last one, is it? But we'll do. I always remember, if it's good food, you always remember. I had a fantastic chicken um, at a wedding. Yeah, it, was, you know, it was lovely. It was lovely. So moist. It was fantastic. I love weddings. What makes weddings so special? I wonder if anyone knows what makes weddings so special. I, I, I was thinking about this. What, what makes a wedding so special? What's the difference between just a smart social occasion and a wedding? What's the difference between a birthday party with all your friends and a wedding? Commitment. It's a lifelong commitment to each other, yes, and I do, through sickness and in health. Harmony came recently and we dedicated Lily. What was so special about a dedication? I mean, I can get Dave up now and we can pray for Dave. Oh, that's lovely. But what's so special about the dedication? It's commitment. There is a commitment that takes place where we as a church say we are raising Lily up in the way of God that we are teaching her. If you said that commitment, you made that commitment. We're standing in front of God, recognising who he is. And as a result of that, we're recognising who we are. And we make that commitment publicly. Marriage, a moment in front of God. That's why the church believes in its importance. Because where we see two people come together in the sight of God, they commit themselves not just to each other, but also to God publicly. Now, the issue is humanity. Us, we're the issue. You're the problem. I'm the problem, it's me. A couple of Bit of Taylor Swift for you there. Never mind. We break promises. We aren't around when we should be. We lie and cheat. And it breaks us. Commitment is hard because humans are unfaithful. And we make mistakes. So we ask questions like, why even bother again? Why get back up and trust? And maybe even you're sat there thinking, how do I even know Jesus won't hurt me? Like if I commit to him, how do I know he won't let me down? Like the world lets me down. The Bible paints a beautiful picture of Jesus' return. And when he does, he comes uh, and he's called the bridegroom and we are his bride. 
And maybe you've been burnt by relationships before, but Jesus will never burn you. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Still sinners, Christ died for you. And 2 Timothy eleven thirteen says, here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he'll disown us. Bit of a warning there. If we are faithless, though, he remains faithful. If he cannot disown himself. The Bible says over and over again, and it's a promise you can stand on today, that God is a promise keeper. So when we read his words, it's just full of his promises for you. If you're saying, I've never had a promise from God, read his word, you'll find one. But it comes, as Timothy says here, he is faithful when we are faithless, but comes with that warning. If you disown him, he's going to disown us. And that's a promise he'll keep as well. If we don't actually follow him, we don't actually keep his commands, that door, that door will be locked. Numbers 23, 19, I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verses, so I try and sneak it into as many sermons as I can. God is not a human being that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? If God says it, he's going to do it. If he's promised it, he will fulfill it. And God's word is living and active and it's full of promises to us. And not only do we have the scripture, but we also have testimony. I mean, I'm going to ask you to put your hands up. If you've got a testimony, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but if you've got a testimony of when God has been faithful, even though you feel like he probably shouldn't have been faithful to you because you were faithless, why don't you stick your hand up in the air so people can see. A testimony of when God has turned up and you just feel like that should never have happened. But we have testimonies over and over in our life where God has turned up, stepped in and broken through. I mean, I paint a dark picture of that door being locked, but also the hope of Jesus Christ is that we're not alone in any of it, that he is faithful. And and today we have an opportunity, we'll have an opportunity to commit, whether that's for the first time or for the 700th time, where you can commit once more to God, knowing that I'm doing it now because I can't keep putting it off. One day it will be too late. So I'm going to do it now but also the hope that lies before me because of Jesus is far greater than everything. He is faithful to his promise and won't let you down. Not only does scripture tell us, but our lives tell us that. And we look back and see his faithfulness and look forward knowing that he is faithful and will continue to be faithful. So will you recommit today? This all in thing. Maybe you're saying, I don't want to be that person who gets the door closed on. Or I don't want to be the person who's trying to close the door on people. I want to be a genuine follower of the way. A disciple and learn. I want to start this journey. We have this long word called sanctification. Long theological word. And the only reason I use the word sanctification is because I don't have another word that summarizes sanctification other than sanctification. But it means a process where we journey daily to become more and more like Jesus. 
every day becoming more sanctified, following His way. Uh, Dave and Becky, do you want to you jump up? I'm gonna I'm gonna close soon. And you might say, Ben, you've got to understand. I enjoy the world so much. Like I just love doing the things that the world has to offer me. I I love doing things I know I shouldn't do. I've got these sinful desires, these, these, these things that are just not good in me. And I want to make that commitment. I want to take a step. I want to do that. I really do. But there's just this desire, this fleshly desire, this earthly desire that pulls me away. And that's the beauty of sanctification. Because when we, what we do is we, what we start to want for ourselves start to decrease. What I once wanted, what I once wanted to do, what I once wanted to see, who I once wanted to speak to, for some reason now I don't want anymore. And I'm following the way and all of a sudden I actually want to go to the online Bible study. And I've never thought I'd actually want to tune into that. It's very bizarre. And all of a sudden I want to go along to young adults or I want to go to church and I, I enjoy coming along and I can't really put my finger on why. And that's this journey that we go on of discipleship, of sanctification, of being apprentices. That doesn't mean that you won't still have desires to do things that you once wanted to do. That doesn't mean that you just stop being tempted in every way and being a Christian so easy. And I, all I do is good things because now look at me. I'm a Christian. That doesn't happen. But it does mean that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. He is with you through it all. We start to learn how to follow him better and start to chase after him. And we stop being lukewarm because our commitment is on him. And this commitment is a, I don't care if I look embarrassed type of thing. I don't care if people surround me and I'm lying on the floor through the table looking up thinking, what did I just do kind of thing because I'm all in. I'm committed. I don't care if I look like everyone else, if I stand out from the crowd. And that's the reason that our graphics like this, because it's different from the crowd. You are that green arrow when you are committed to Jesus. And it's obvious and it's clear and everyone can see it, but it's kind of wonderful. Because I know that although I might feel alone in that square or rectangle of white arrows, that he is with me. You start to smell differently. No, not, maybe not literally smell differently. But people have this smell. I've I got a confession with you. When I was studying at theological college, I met a lady that I didn't particularly like. And I don't know what it was. I just, there was something about her. I just thought, I don't like you. <laughs> and I remember um, seeing her as I was walking towards the library. And um, I was walking that way and I thought, oh, here we go. And I met with her and she spoke to me and I remember just being at so much peace. Like it was just this weirdest thing, this weirdest sensation. It was like so much peace. And I was like, this lady has spent time with God. Like there's just something about her where she's quite clearly like glowing with his radiance. 
you know, like Moses going up the mountain, coming down, and all the Israelites are scared of him because he looks different because he's glowing by God's goodness. She's like glowing, like I have this peace around her. And I'm like, I, I don't understand it because I don't like you, but I don't want to leave this conversation. And, and God really spoke to me and was like, I mean, he said, Ben, just because you don't like her doesn't mean I don't like her. But he really spoke to me in that moment of, of what does it mean to smell like Jesus? To be a person of peace in your workplace? To not sit around and gossip anymore and not have a seat at that table, but instead be countercultural. Not a part of the herd banging on the door, but in the house, trying to get other people in the house. No longer happy to be in the normal. 2 Corinthians 2.16, I am wrapping up, I promise. 2 Corinthians 2.16 says this, To the one we are aroma that brings death, to another aroma that brings life. Who is equal to such a task? What it's saying there is that when you are in and committed, you start to smell differently. And to some people, they're not going to like that smell. Some people mocked Jesus. Some people beat Jesus because they didn't like him. Didn't like who he was, didn't like what he was about. And being a Christian and signing on means that sometimes you're not going to be liked by the world. Sometimes people will want you, to, will call you weird, will call you silly to believe in such a thing. But funnily enough, one of the disciples, one of the disciples actually mocked Jesus before following him. John 1 verse 44, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was in the town from town Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth! Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. He goes on to say that Nathanael becomes a disciple of Jesus meets Jesus, realises what he's about. He goes from mocking to loving him. Maybe you were a mocker. Maybe you are a mocker. This is a load of rubbish. And actually an encounter with Jesus, everything changes. Maybe you're scared to fully commit because of the Nathaniels in your workplace, because of the Nathaniels in your family who are there to mock. Nazareth, really? <laughs> you're telling me that the God of all creation would send a son. Oh, it just happened. And you face that in work, you face that in your family, you face that mocking, and it just, that, that's the reason why you haven't fully committed. We're going to have an opportunity right now to fully commit. With a third week, I think, into January, third Sunday. And this month, I don't know about you, but I think it seems like the longest month ever. And you might be looking already and thinking, I can't wait for 2025. Like this year has just been terrible so far. This month has been awful. And I just want to say, don't give up on your year. Don't give up on Jesus and what he can do. So we're going to have a moment of commitment here. Whether it's the first time or a hundredth time where you want to commit yourself and say, actually, I'm all in. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to commit myself and go on this ride with Jesus, see where he may take me. And I might look silly, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, and you're saying, I did commit. I know I did commit, but I feel like I just know I need to recommit to Jesus. 
to say I'm actually all in and I've been living a bit lukewarmy and I don't want to live lukewarmy anymore I want to just be all in I want to smell like Jesus and look like Jesus in my workplace and when people ask I'm not going to shy away but I'm going to stand strong and I just want to give this whole year to see what Jesus is C.S. Lewis says day by day nothing seems to change but when you look back everything is different and I just wonder whether 2024 could be the year where you look back and just see how submitting to God has completely changed your life and day by day it just feels like a normal journey but when you look back everything is different if that is you an all-in kind of thing uh, uh, everyone can look around and see me and I feel a bit silly standing we're not going to do a heads bowed eyes closed thing we're doing an an all-in I'm all in I commit. Whether the first time you're committing, a hundredth time you're committing to say, I'm following this discipleship journey, would you just stand right now to say, I am all in? I'm committing to you. We've got room down the front if you want some prayer. If you want prayer, but you don't want to come down the front then find one of the leadership team after the meeting, maybe Pastor Nigel and myself. Becky and Dave, we're at the front usually packing down. It's easy to find us. Come and grab us and we can pray with you. Heavenly Father, we just, we just thank you that we have people standing who are saying, I'm all in for the cause of Jesus Christ in my life. I am all in. And if that means I have to change some things, it means I have to change some things. If I have to move some things, I have to move some things. But I am all in. I'm committed to see you this year. I'm committed to see your goodness. I'm no longer outside knocking on the door, but I'm in that house. So Father, we just want to thank you for the celebration in heaven that takes place when one person decides to follow Jesus. And we want to thank you that that we believe that Barry will be changed by the influences of people. Waves starting in workplaces of, of a smell that smells different. People that look different. Willing to stand and maybe look silly to the people around, but not minding. So Heavenly God, we just want to give you all the praise and adoration right now.